Psalm 127. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Psalm 127 Welcome back to the LiftBridge Podcast. This is your host, John Laurie, coming to you live from the beautiful jewel of the South Metro, Apple Valley, Minnesota. And we're going to continue our family episode, family episode part three. Today, we, are, we have been looking forward to interviewing Catherine Wynn, a walking, talking podcast, fount of uh, wisdom, information, practical life tips. And uh, she's blushing a little bit here, but we're going to talk to her today. She's also my sister and friend, and um, we are going to, and former uh, ski team uh, teammate. Yes, that's right. So we're going to we're going to talk to her today. So um, we are looking forward to this. We hope this is encouraging to you. And remember, keep looking up. Here we are uh, talking with our second ever guest on the podcast. This is very exciting. Um, I have told the listeners a little bit about how oftentimes when I'm talking to you, I feel like uh, we are in a podcast. So I'll try not to put you on the spot here, but um, you have three beautiful children, um, and they're very talented <laughs> very, uh, very smart, uh, great kids. You have done homeschooling. You've been involved in um, all sorts of neat stuff. Uh, you you like to do uh, homesteading type things. So you have a lot of uh, a lot of possible interests. A lot of directions we could go today. Um, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about um, where do you draw inspiration for kind of making your kids' lives better. Mm. Well, hello, Liftbridge listeners. I am Catherine Wind. I'm John's sister. And um, I think that's a great question. Where do you draw inspiration from making your kids' lives better? I think my inspiration is what makes our lives better. And really seeking not to simply, you know, entertain kids, keep them busy. I think that's something that people talk a lot about, um, Obviously, kids have boundless energy, so it's no wonder that parents are looking for ways to burn it up. But I think there's a lot of focus on simply entertaining kids in our day and age. And I think something that Brandon, my husband, and I try to do really is um, be modeling for our kids us living well and what that looks like um, so they'll have those skills going into their adulthood. Um, we talk a lot about having real experiences um, as a family and individually. So for, that, for us, real experiences means being outside in God's creation, something you talk a lot about on the LiftBridge podcast. <laughs> um, and for our family, it also really means creative living. Um, I am a writer currently working on a series of books called The Field Guide Friends, Ooh, all about girls getting outside. And my husband is an illustrator, and he is illustrating those books. And he also has projects of his own. He loves comics. So, you know, you've read a bunch of his comics, Junior Varsity. And um, we are also both really into music. I sing. He plays 
a large variety of instruments. <laughs> he is obnoxiously talented at everything he puts his hand to. So um, that is something we also really enjoy doing together. So I think for us, really the biggest challenge is finding time to do all those things. Um, but it's something I really want to encourage parents to do. I think sometimes parents feel really guilty about taking time to do those things that really feeds their soul. But really, I think it's modeling very healthy practices for your children and modeling for them what it looks like to be a, a lifelong learner and somebody who's really passionate about life. Wow, we could really go a lot of directions here. <laughs> now, I, I want to share a little bit of background with the, the audience here. Um, I have long teased you about how if I ever became, if I ever had Mike Lindell's money, I would uh, try to build the Catherine Laurie Wind wing of uh, Rosemont High School. Um, but you, you uh, pursued a very, uh, very successful career in acting, and uh, you were doing some very serious theater. Um, and then you kind of switched directions and I thought maybe you could just share a little bit about like, because you have, you have been very creative all your life, you know, and acting was a big part of that creative world, but so you haven't really changed the direction of being creative, but you changed kind of like the direction of your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about maybe some of your acting experience and kind of what led you to decide to um, take the path that you've taken. Well, I thank you very much for your kind words of calling it a very successful acting career. Um, listeners, I am, not, I am not I am not a famous actress. Um, you will not see me in, I have been in some films, but very small parts, but I did mostly theater, but I am very, I am very Legitimate proud theater. of the fact that I was managed to um, make a living as a working actor for seven years. That's something that's very difficult to do. Um, So I am, you know, I am proud of that. Um, But I ultimately, for a lot of reasons, um, decided to to step back, at, at least for the time being, you know, God only knows where my life will lead, creatively speaking. Um, but at least from being a working actor, um, for this chapter in my life while I'm raising young children and, um, I do miss being on stage. I love performing and I think there's something really amazing about, especially live performance when you are sharing an experience that only happens once, only happens in that moment with an audience. Um, Brandon and I were just talking about that the other night, how, how special it is in, in these art forms, in music and in theater, when you're doing these live performances. And it's, it almost has this ephemeral magic to it because it only happens once. And, and yes, you can have a recording, but it's not quite the same. Um, so it is something I miss and something that, you know, perhaps I'll return to in some way at some point in my life. But I think what's really interesting to me right now, and I remember even even when I was still in the acting world, I remember taking a trip to a pottery studio. And I was just kind of killing time there one day. I think I had a show in the evening. So my afternoon was free and I was killing time at this pottery studio. And I was just blown away by the potential for art in the everyday. You know, I'm looking at these exquisitely crafted bowls and mugs, and each one is unique. Each one is different. And just realizing that art does not have to be something that is put away in a museum, is only for those few times. You know, for the average person, going to see live theater is something that might happen like once a year or a few times a year um it's a treat it's not yeah (laughs) it's not something but you know it's not something that is part of the daily rhythms of life but there is a huge potential to make creative living part of your life Mm -hmm. um 
So I think that is where I'm really seeking to put my energies. And like I mentioned a few minutes ago, what that really comes down to is, is like I said, kind of real authentic living, um, taste and see ways of seeing God's goodness, um, in making time to enjoy beautiful things instead of just kind of rushing through life and being productivity driven. We want to be, you know, taking time to seek and cultivate beauty. Now, this is something that you have, uh, this is kind of a lifelong theme. The audience doesn't know it. I know it though. You've <laughs> always been interested in the every, the, I guess the art of every day. This would be, that would be a great podcast title for you. The art <laughs> of every day with Kate Wind. Kathy it's Wind. something I've, I've put a lot of thought into. That's with for sure. Y. Catherine with the Y. Um, you have, um, Also, we were just in a conversation we were having last night. We were talking about how beauty is missing from the town square. Beauty is missing. Um, people are too utilitarian. Um, you, you've gone through your own minimalist periods, mm-hmm. but I don't think you've ever drifted into utilitarian or not right. wanting to things to be beautiful mm-hmm. um, I think there's a difference between right. pursuing simplicity minimalism simplicity in lifestyle mm-hmm. and the minimalism in design mm-hmm. which you know when we think of minimalism in design we think of white walls white and gray everything very stark lines I would say pursuing simplicity actually can allow for greater beauty in your life because you are giving yourself more time to to maybe craft a beautiful tablescape. You're not just throwing dinner down on on the table and paper plates. Although I do do that from time to time, listeners. Don't get me wrong. You know, not everything is Pinterest worthy by any means. I have three children, seven and younger, um, that are, were born very close together. So, I mean, life can get hectic. Um, so it's definitely not about striving for perfection or feeling like a failure if you're not taking the time to set a beautiful tablescape, but it's, um, I think just giving yourself permission, it's not a have to do, but it's a get to do. If you can give yourself a little bit of margin in your life so that you are taking time to enjoy lovely things and and feed your soul in that way, I think it's really important. That's really cool. Now you, um, have kind of gotten me thinking about this. Um, have you listened to the bright heart Yes. So this is kind of very bright heart adjacent territory (laughs) here. But this is kind of a theme. I've heard a couple of different Christian thinkers talking about these sorts of things, about how, you know, Christianity and culture should lead to more beautiful buildings and more Mm -hmm. beautiful homes. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the, you know, let's just be real um, you know, sometimes life can be very absorbing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it doesn't mean that, uh, I think sometimes people feel guilty for doing things that, uh, have no other purpose than to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. And there might be a little residual, um, you know, kind of almost think thinking about like, well, you know, Things have to have more of a purpose than just beauty, but there's ultimately a purpose mm-hmm. in in beauty for itself. Uh, um, and I, I'm probably saying this the wrong way, uh, folks. If you're listening, I'm not. Uh, uh, don't don't shoot me down here. But what I'm trying to say is that uh, there is something noble about the pursuit of making things in our everyday lives more beautiful mm-hmm. that fits with our calling. I think it fits with our calling because we are made in the image of God and God is the ultimate creator. And because we are made in the image of God, I believe that every man and woman is creative and it varies widely in how that manifests itself in that person. God is creative in every way because he is infinite. Um, but, you know, for some that might show up in 
I know nothing about the digital world, but some people that might show up in being able to create amazing software. I don't even know the terminology for what that is, but (laughs) yeah, it might be in creating amazing, that's my son, creating amazing (laughs) Minecraft worlds. Um, For others, it might be, you know, being able to paint a beautiful landscape or create a beautiful thriving garden, which is living art, being able to create a beautiful meal or music. Um, But it doesn't necessarily even have to be in the arts, Um, party planning, being able to host people in a way that is very life-giving that takes a huge amount of creativity um so I think I think sometimes we can really box ourselves in of thinking like oh well I wasn't a good artist in grade school so I'm not creative but no I truly believe everyone has some form of creative spark and I think um allowing yourself beauty is is celebrating that and in that way is glorifying to God. I think it also reminds us that we're not just machines. I think we live in a very productivity obsessed culture and we feel virtuous by being utilitarian because, oh, that means we can get more done. But what that is really speaking to you is that, oh, your only value is what you can get done. But no, your value is because you are made in the image of God. And so the more you can kind of uh, minister, I think, to that creaturely side of you, or not just side of you, that is who you are. <laughs> you are a creature. And you require comfort, mm. you know, and, and to be okay with that, that we, that is what we need. We need to be ministered to in that way. So I think put, put those fears at ease that somehow you're being shallow or selfish by wanting beauty. I think that's written into who you are. And if I can just go back, um, you know, we were saying, I think you mentioned a little bit ago, life is so busy. And so I think if you are trying to introduce beauty into your life, you can feel overwhelmed. I think a lot of moms and wives feel overwhelmed. Like there's so much they want to do. There's so much they want to do for their families. And, you know, Comparison is the thief of joy, and we live in a time of so much comparison. <laughs> um, so you see what people are doing on Instagram and Pinterest, and I, I think what I would say is to maybe pick one thing, and pick one thing that either you are just so jazzed to try or something that you're already pretty good at. I think there's no shame in playing into our talents. Um, because God gave you that talent for a reason, you know? So if you are, if you're naturally really great at like cooking fantastic meals, then like lean into that and don't worry so much about maybe all the other things you want to try, the gardening or the rigorous housekeeping schedule or the, the perfect um, entertaining when you host people and just really strive to do what you do well better and and take enjoyment in that you know I think sometimes we can disparage what we're already really good at (laughs) when really that's exactly what God wants us to use to bless his kingdom right some people (laughs) purposely you know do things that are hard that they aren't good at because they feel like oh because I have to work harder at this Mm mm-hmm that's more worthwhile, but it's kind of a backwards way of thinking. It is. It's, it's like, do dolphins, like, walk on the beach because it's hard? <laughs> they don't. No. They swim, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, now, what happens if you have many strengths <laughs> branding? <laughs> um, you know, that's... <laughs> I don't know how to answer that um, and sound that makes me sound like I'm, I'm really great at everything, which I'm not. There are lots of things I, I wish I was better at. There are lots of things. Well, just to, I mean, touch on what we were just saying. I think for a lot of, a lot of my adult life, um, I have kind of like disparaged what I'm already good at and kind of dismissed that. Like, when I stepped away from acting, there was a long period of time where I was just like, Ugh, I'm not good at anything that's actually useful. And I just felt like, oh my goodness, I have no marketable skills. Like my only skills are like creative 
skills and what do I do with that? Um, but I think over time, just as I've gotten to know myself more and know my strengths more, and I think just be less hard on myself, I realize, well, I mean, that's really special about me. And other people have skills that I don't have, and those are easy for them. Like, my sister-in-law is a nurse, and I can go to her when my children have some sort of symptoms, and she can come up with some ideas of what it might be, and I'm just in awe of, of her set of skills. Um, but that's, that's easy for her, and nobody's disparaging that. You know, you, you shouldn't disparage what you're good at, and instead of wishing that you have some other set of skills, well, f- use what you already have, figure out some way to be useful with that. So one thing Brandon and I have done then is um, serving on worship team together um, and finding a lot of joy in kind of having that be a, like a family mission for us, something we can do together to glorify God and use our gifts. Well, that's really powerful. You know, I think that a lot of people feel that way that, well, how useful are my gifts really? Of course, you know, it's so funny how many situations in life go back to the movie Elf. <laughs> um, it's funny because Dad actually yesterday offered me maple syrup in my coffee. He's like, would you like some maple syrup in your coffee? I thought he was like talking about Elf. But, you know, he, was just, he was just giving me maple syrup for my coffee. I guess he is an Elf. He is an Elf. Um, but, you know, Buddy the Elf, feels that his talents are not useful because he's different than all the other elves. Seems like everybody else has the same talents. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but we we do feel like that at times. And I think part of that is because a lot of the times it goes back to we are trained to think of our value as commercial. Uh-huh. Your value is commercial. If you take yourself out of in your case, uh, the theater world, um, where you don't listen to her folks. She's very successful. Um, but you had commercial value there, but then you were like, well, I still have the same passions. I still have the same interests. How can I apply these things in my life? And I think one of the, I think an answer to that, that has just come out of conversations we've had with you and dad is that God never meant a job to be the sole way of you having value, right? Mm. Your ultimate value comes from him. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, what was God's idea of uh, our, our lives? Uh, well, family, church. And so often our culture denigrates family and church Mm -hmm. and pushes that. And so Mm -hmm. you actually were very courageous because you um, took a different path. I think a very good path of, of choosing to find, find value in family and find value in church and then find opportunities that you could use to be involved. And um, when you were up at our church, even, uh, you came and you sang a song. And that was so cool. And you were just visiting. I think it might have been one of the handful of times you've been up there, because it's a long way from Algona. Mm. But uh, you, um, but that was just so amazing. And you did bless us so much with your music. So. Well, thank you. The other thing I just want to say, too, is I think our obsession with job and that, like, meaning your identity is just robs people of so much joy because they also think, say they are interested in some, you know, artistic pursuit. They think, oh, if I can't make money at this, if this can't be a side hustle, then what is the worth? What is the point? We're just so obsessed with monetizing everything. And I think also not only because if you can make it a side hustle, that also somehow legitimizes it. Like, oh, this is worth the time I've spent on it because it equals this, this, this much money. You know, this much time I put into my painting, I sold it for this much money. That legitimizes it. Um, but 
if you can make time to make your creative hobby, um, to actually do it and put it out in the world in some way, whether that's making money or not, just to encourage you that that, that really blesses people. Um, my good friend Stephanie, she wrote a musical about Joan of Arc, and she's trying to she's trying to make it into a into a motion picture. She would love it to be an animated motion picture. Um, but this is something, and she has um, four children, and she's a very busy mom. But she's done this just you know composing songs in her head while walking her dog. And so last summer, I was able to take part in just in like a staged reading, basically, of this musical. And it was such a gift to me. We weren't even doing it for people. We were just recording it. So she had a recording of this, of the songs. But it was such a blessing for me just to take part in this, in this project and be able to sing and be able to work with other creative people and exercise our muscles in that way. And I just told her, you know, just, I just wanted to encourage her that no matter what happens, I hope it does turn into something big, but no matter what happens, that even just having that time to create together was valuable, was a blessing. Um, Because again, anytime you can create, you are reminded of who you really are, Mm -hmm. you know, outside of just being a productive (laughs) member of society, that you are a creature. Um, created in the image of God, created to create. So um, I don't know, just for anybody who's listening who might be haggard coming home from a long day of work and you've put the kids to bed and you maybe just have like 20 minutes to yourself before you have to go to sleep so you have enough energy to do it all again tomorrow, um, that it's not a waste of time to put down the remote and pick up a paintbrush or a pencil to write something down or whatever it might be because you're blessing yourself and you are blessing somebody in the future when you choose to share it. Right. You know, I think about uh, two things. Um, One kind of dumb. Um, (laughs) If you've ever seen the movie um, Joe Dirt, uh, there's a scene where uh, Joe Dirt is like talking to a firework salesman and uh, but he's only selling, like, snakes and sparklers. And he's, like, he's asking, you know, there's a really funny scene there, but then, like, this guy is like, what makes fireworks good? And Joe Dirt is like, what makes a tree good? <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually a very profound question. Mm-hmm. Like, we, I think we're so used to um, being squeezed into a worldly mindset and remember, and the Bible says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, some of the things that we, uh, our, our life gets bigger as we are growing in Christ because our mind is actually getting renewed. Mm-hmm. There's opportunities that open up that might have been there forever, but we couldn't see them for what they were because our mind was still conformed to the pattern of the world. And, you know, if you only look at a tree as, like, something that you can make things with or burn wood with, and you don't just enjoy the beauty of a tree. Mm, You're kind of missing the point. You're missing the point. You know, God made a tree beautiful. He also made it useful, but he made it beautiful. Mm. We, uh, uh, God doesn't need money. And he doesn't. He, and yet, he has the ability to provide. I think so. Oftentimes, our obsession with um, making things pay for themselves kind of comes from a root of unbelief on a certain level. Of if I don't stop hustling, the world's gonna fall apart, right. or my world's gonna fall apart. Right. Or mm-hmm. like, if God, uh, you know. Um, I just think that it gets back to the idea that like God has his own operation. He has his own kingdom and it's it, its own economy where things have their own value outside of and he makes ways to make that work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, the other thing I was thinking of is Bob Ross. 
So Bob Ross, <laughs> Bob Ross, maybe one of the most well-known creative people. Um, he, though, the reason he got into painting is for the very reason that you were talking about, because he found that creating things made him feel good. Mm-hmm. And tell you what, let's have some fun. Uh... And uh, we and he, I don't think ever planned to become Bob Ross. I think he just liked painting, but because he was so joyful about doing it, uh, he obtained the opportunity to influence other people. Uh-huh. And I learned that basically almost all of his paintings he never sold. Uh, uh, and part of it was just like philosophically like, well, yeah, I could sell them. People would probably pay money for them, uh, but... That's not why I'm doing it. Well, and that brings me back to what we were talking about earlier, how sometimes the thing that, the thing that we worry so much about being useful, but sometimes the very thing that actually does make you useful is the thing that you're already good at or the thing that is inherently you that you don't really give much thought to. And like take Bob Ross. Like, yes, he's a talented painter, but what we really remember Bob Ross for is his joy and his peace and his right. presence, his calmness. His hair. <laughs> and his hair. All things inherent to who he is. Literally inherent. <laughs> um, and so that's really where his value comes from, is not just the paintings he created, but who he is. And that's where all of our value comes from. It's not Wait, just... are you saying <laughs> that when God made you, there's something special about there you? There is. Has? Yes, and I think it really is hard for people to trust that. We want to be. We want to prove our own worth, right. instead of allowing our worth just to like shine through in, you know, in in the works that God has f- foreordained for us. You know, right. I think it's right. taken me right. a long time into adulthood to really understand mm-hmm. what that means. Right. That He's actually planned out the good works for me to walk in, and me simply walking in them is how I bring glory to him. Right. And I think that there's also a need to appreciate the season because, excuse me, I've spent a lot of time thinking about the patriarchs and how, you know, they were living very bold lives of faith, but a lot of what it looked like was being on a camping trip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They think about uh, probably most of Abraham's time was sitting in a tent or watching cattle mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it probably there were probably some days of you know real excitement like going after those kings and getting lot back but there were probably a bunch of days where his faith was just waking up making sure his flock had water mm-hmm. and not moving away from the promised land mm-hmm. and i think that sometimes we don't i think ministry we forget that ministry and life are supposed to go together and that sometimes ministry is life and Mm -hmm. sometimes life is ministry and we the bible uses the metaphor of farming because a farmer doesn't reap every day Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. most of what a farmer does is not reaping Mm -hmm. he reaps like once a year and then but that's not most of what he's doing. And then part of the year, he's not doing anything because it's winter. I think our expectations <laughs> of what... I think you're absolutely right. And I think our expectations of what our lives should look like is very impacted by by media. Not just, like we've talked about, social media and um, you know comparing yourself to people on Instagram and everything. But I also think we, we think of our lives like in terms of a movie. Well, a movie is the story of somebody's life, but they've cut out all the boring bits. Right. They're only showing you the... Need the boring you, bits. Yeah, real life has the boring bits. Real life has waking up and shuffling to the kitchen and making your coffee. And, you know, it has m- moments of stillness. And But when we compare ourselves to, you know, narrative storytelling, <laughs> and then we think, well, what's wrong with my life? <laughs> it's full of so much boring bits. Well, you're living an actual life. You're not living an edited movie that's been edited to be interesting to watch. Right. 
and we can have an impatience, mm-hmm. but the impatience spoils the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's like if you don't have the patience to fish, well, you could go buy a fish at the store, but then you miss the whole point of fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could, if you're too impatient to garden, to, to garden, grow a tomato. Right. I mean, yes, I've been gardening for a few years now, and it's just amazing how, I don't have a big garden, it is small but mighty, but how it really makes you appreciate what you're eating when you've seen this tomato go from a tiny seed that you put in the ground to a plant, to a blossom on a plant, to a tiny hard green ball from the blossom on the plant and get bigger and bigger and slowly get color and turn into a deliciously smelling that there's no smell like a vine ripened tomato. It's just the best thing. And compare that to, you know, the watery, tasteless bulb you get at the grocery store. Um, And a tomato is not hard to grow. Really, the price you paid for it was waiting. You know, I think somebody once said that Something the love you take <laughs> is equal to the love you take, or something like that. Um, Some a little known band, a little, uh, a band called very, very the band, the so. Beatles, yes. something like that. But you know, there really is. You do you do get out what you put in, mm-hmm. and I think people are looking for shortcuts. Not that you know. Some shortcuts are useful. Hard. Yes, right. Not everything has to be hard. Um, you know, but I do think that like. Oftentimes, to return to the earlier theme of the conversation, what you are really showing your kids is what you really believe, and that is that you, everyday life is full, can be full of really amazing, good things. Mm -hmm. You can wake up on a Tuesday morning, and even if there's other things going on, you can create. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just a little bit, but you can create, you can watch the miracle of a plant producing food. You can, um, you can go outside and just enjoy it and worship God for what he's doing in nature. And mm-hmm. there's so much to, to notice. And Every know, day life is still a day of your life. Right. I think we can discount that, you know, random Tuesday, but it's still a precious day of your life. And so... Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's not like ever, it, I think sometimes you can then take that too far and be like, I'm not creating magic for my children every single day. No, you don't, you don't need to do that. I mean, chores still need to get done. You still need to, you know, make doctor's appointments and do your taxes and, all, you know, not every day is going to be magical. So you don't need to put pressure on yourself, but also give yourself permission to slow down and enjoy it. Well, I remember, um, you know, and I think it's no accident that you ended up with this. I remember Dad and I were talking about a camping trip in our backyard one time where um, we were sleeping on the deck um, so that we could see um, a meteor shower or northern lights or things like that. We probably fell asleep before, uh, before it happened. <laughs> the, the big show started. But, you know, I do remember that looking up at the stars in our backyard and just thinking, this is so cool because. The whole house, I mean, the whole neighborhood is filled with people, but they're all inside. They're not looking up at the stars. Mm -hmm. And I feel that really, if you think about the Garden of Eden, God made the garden. Adam's job was to tend it. He was partnering with God. You know, and we think about like gardening. Well, God's really doing all the work. Mm -hmm. Like he... You know, the seed is his intellectual property. (laughs) And he's the one who's reigning it. I mean, it's really a miracle that a seed produces life. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just, I I can't really get over it. It, I know. The more I garden, the more I'm just like, I can't believe this tiny seed. Like, I put it in the ground and it knows what to do. You know, it is just incredible. And that a a giant plant can come from that. Mm -hmm. And that's God's idea. Mm -hmm. So, Really, in gardening, he's the one doing all the work, but we are faithfully 
doing things. Sometimes it's like drudgery. Sometimes it's picking mm-hmm. and actually getting the fruit. I think that's just, he really wants us to learn from that because he teaches us in concrete ways because we're, we're children. Mm-hmm. We need to learn from gardening the greater truths mm-hmm. of life. Mm-hmm. And so when you are taking a kid out and showing them the stars or planting a garden, you're literally providing them with the, the building blocks of understanding great the great truths. Well, and isn't it amazing? Gardening is such a profound activity, and I think it's so amazing that something that is so necessary for life, I mean, outside of our industrialized food system, if it wasn't for that, we would all have to be gardeners. We'd all have to do it. And so something that is so like needed and necessary can also be so full of spiritual learning. Right. I almost think that somebody designed that. Wait, wait. God wants us to be gardeners? Exactly. And um, I, my own, it's funny because uh, on the show we've talked about the joys and perils of gardening. Because he, Duluth is the worst zone. <laughs> in the Congratulations, I you are in the worst zone. Worst place, and our yeah. part of Duluth is the worst place in Duluth. So it is to be a gardener <laughs> there. You really have to learn stuff, and sometimes you just have to cheat mm. things that would, you know, like. I remember thinking, I am going to plant everything from seed. Mm. Seeds, <laughs> seed leaves that I just coddled along, and then they just be done. They yeah. These thin little stalks. I was like, I'm just going to go to Fleet Farm and buy some plants. Mm. That well, was that good. Was so free. Yeah. But I get that. That's the time a shortcut is helpful. Right, right. And But what I, what I just see is that, like, um, obviously, the Spirit of God is. Uh, who makes learning truly possible. You know, we cannot really, we cannot become Christians apart from the Spirit of God. But what's truly amazing is that God still uses all of these very simple and yet profound things like gardening. Uh, You look at Abraham. When Abraham was the first person in the Bible to be declared righteous, what was he doing? He's looking up at the stars. I mean, that's like a pretty relatable activity. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times have you looked up at the stars? And so I just feel that, uh, I just feel that a lot of times some of these things seem so ubiquitous that they don't get appreciated. It's kind of like, if uh, you lived in a town with a lot of apple trees and you're like, oh, I could get apples anytime I wanted them. And mm. then you end up not eating any apples that summer. Mm. Well, I think, I think... Well, because, well, I could have them anytime you want them, but you don't eat them. Well, because familiarity breeds contempt. Right. Which is why I think we often don't really notice our own gifts and play into them the way we should. Because we're, we don't even notice them. We're just familiar with them because they're who, part of who we are. Right. And so we don't realize that that is exactly what we should be putting out into the world. Is, right. It's just who we are and what we're good at already. Well, one thing I have been really challenged by is, am I offering each day to God? Am I just saying to God each day, okay, Lord, you gave me this day, here it is, back. And then letting him direct me in. I think, obviously, there's things we don't have to think about. Mm-hmm. The Christian life, like, I really wash the dishes. <laughs> God uh, is telling me not to wash the dishes. <laughs> but, you know, um, but at the same time, um, I had a very powerful experience very recently where I was, I wanted to go do something that had no earthly, worldly usefulness and I really felt kind of guilty about it, but I went ahead and did it, and I got to use it to absolutely bless my son. And then, because he had blessed me, the whole rest of the day just went, like, swimmingly. All of the businessy type stuff I wanted, because I had had the time to go and seek him. Well, he just made all the business stuff so easy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up getting $150 off of my tires. Nice. <laughs> that, like, wow, God, thank you. So, like, I, I just feel that, like, when we seek God, and sometimes it's not our idea. Like, that time, I will just say, I just wanted to go see a bird. <laughs> but he used that time down by Lake Superior to get my attention. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I feel that if we think about the analogy of the garden, well, Adam still would have done a lot of work. Some of it probably would have been very obvious. You know, like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. But yet he was walking with God. Mm-hmm. He could talk to God about what he was doing. Hey, God, this is your garden. What do you want it to look like? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also his garden in that he was investing himself into it. And I think that, like you said, God has works for us to walk in. And a lot of times I think in life and in ministry, you're so busy trying to copy somebody else. And in ministry, this happens all the time. People think, oh, there's one model. Mm -hmm. We got to have this, got to have that. And if we don't have it, well, we're just not doing what we're supposed to do. And that's, no, like God didn't make everybody to be a clone. Mm-hmm. And um, you can be weird <laughs> yeah. yourself. And that might be exactly what God wants you to do and the best way to serve him. But we doubt that. And I think it's because we, we do forget that God made not just us as a person, but he made us as an individual Mm -hmm. and he really knows what he wants to do with us. Mm -hmm. He knows where we would be like happiest and effective. And 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 that can be really hard when you're young because you just have feel like you have so many options and so many choices. I feel like sometimes like when you're like just starting college or just getting out of college, I think people get so, can get very overwhelmed by possibilities. Mm -hmm. But again, if you are raising kids to know what they're good at, hopefully they have some sense of that. And Mm -hmm. there's still going to be a lot of bumps along the way for them to learn stuff. But they can know, I'm good at this. Well, and also, I think you're right. That is a very confusing time. Um, And I think parents feel a lot of pressure to have their have their child figured out by the time that child is an adult but I also think adulthood is long and your child isn't gonna have themselves completely figured out (laughs) by the time they're college age and they might have some clues as to who they are some clues of things that they're good at but that there is space and time for many iterations of yourself and for you to, I guess, just like go gently through the world and do the good you can do and continue getting to know yourself. I think we have a very narrow idea of what it means to be successful in America. It means like, you know, being outrageously successful before you're 30. And that's that's just not, just not, that's not everybody's journey. And I don't think that's most people's journey. I think for most people, it really takes a long time to, to get to know who you are and what makes you tick. And I think that's okay. I think that's called maturity. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it goes back to that, that desire to be reaping every day. And that just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. because It's not how God made the world. It's like, um, he, there are seasons of sowing and watering. And also and just resting. Right. Mm-hmm. And he meant for rest to be a part of our lives. And it's not a waste. Right. Mm-hmm. So we, we really, um, as Christians, I think we're just already living counterculturally just in some very basic ideas about what it means to be creation and that's a good thing Mm -hmm. because i think a lot of people um know that you know this there's a lot of good things about our culture and yet there can be there's a lot of shortcomings and this is Mm -hmm. not all there is Mm -hmm. you know god 
God meant to, um, you know, you think about Jesus' life and how, you know, we don't come in on the scene until, really, until uh, you know, most of the Gospels are, you know, age 30 to age 33. And, but Jesus had done a lot of other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, Including years of obscurity mm-hmm. where he was just making stuff. Mm-hmm. Making stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But that was part of his life living for God. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, yeah. See what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's very easy to get very profound very fast here. Um, we were having a great conversation. Again, this is with Captain Wind, homemaker. Uh, we're uh, going to wrap things up. Kate, do you have any final thoughts? No, I just, I, it's been really fun chatting. Um, this is actually, it's funny that, I mean, this is just what our normal conversations kind of sound like. So it's, it's really fun to do this. And, um, you know, just to, just to maybe embarrass you for a second, I'm just, I'm really proud that you decided you wanted to do a podcast and figured out how to do it. And again, just bit of encouragement for anybody who's out there and has the German of, of an idea like that. Maybe you want to start a podcast or maybe you want to write a book or it can get, be very overwhelming. Like, how do I even do this? Where do I even start? And just to have that encouragement that do a little bit of research, figure it out. And it doesn't have to be perfect, but the world needs you and it needs your voice and it 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 needs more goodness in it. So translation: If this guy can do, it, <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that, but yes. <laughs> uh, well, Catherine, we, we love you so much. This has been really fun. Yes, thank yeah, you for having well, me. We'll see you in the next segment. Bye bye. Well, folks, the old clock on the wall is telling us it's time to go. We had a great time talking with Kate. This is just a super meaningful conversation. Hope that it inspires you to have some great conversations with your own family. And to just remember, God meant family and church to be big parts of our lives. Big parts of our lives. And oftentimes, they just seem not that important to the world around us. And that's okay. Um certain level the world is not going to get it and uh, we need to keep pursuing God and knowing that he gets it because he made us and he is calling us to follow him so remember keep looking up and we'll see you next time